you know, we're in between our, our uh, series, and when we're in between series, we try to, we try to tap into some topics that um, are really important, some topics that um, are things that we can deal with outside of series. So uh, anger is one of those things that uh, some of us are still kind of wrestling with. In fact, probably all of us at some point in time of our life have had some situation of anger to deal with. So today, our, our hope is, as we talk about anger, that we can understand the complexities of anger, what anger is and, and how it happens, that we can learn how to recognize when it's coming, but more importantly, we can also see when there's anger in other people and they're interacting with us, how do we, how do we deal with that? How do we like walk through that? So that's kind of the hope and that's the goal of, of where we wanna be today. So let me just begin by saying that uh, there are people in the world that are button pushers. Do you know a button pusher? I just saw a wife go to her husband. Uh-oh, okay. So they're button pushers. They're the people that know the buttons to push. They know the things to say that are gonna like set you off. They're the people that, that depending upon what they say to you and, and, and how they kind of push you, that in 1.52 seconds, so to speak, that's the average, you're not gonna be happy you're going to be struggling with anger again. Let me, uh, let me give you a couple of examples and statistics about anger. Listen to these and, and see if they make some sense. So the average woman loses her temper three times a week. The average man loses his temper six times a week. Women get angry more often at people while men get angry at things. Guys, the remote's not working. Somebody's misplaced it. Come on, help me out, guys. My wife's here, help me out, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it helps out, okay. Women are, are more verbal with their anger while men can be more physical. Now, I think that that's probably a true one too. Now, this one's interesting. Single adults express their anger two times more than married adults do. I, I didn't know that one. So if you're a single adult, you are gonna get uh, angry twice as much as a, as a married person. The place that you're most likely to express your anger is at home because uh, we're angry more often and more intensely with those that we love than we are with strangers. The people you get angry with the most are those that you love because they have the greatest potential to hurt you, to offend you, and to irritate you. So we're gonna likely be more angry with people that we know and love, okay? Now, Dr. S.I. McMillan, he identified 51 illnesses that can be directly attributed to or caused by anger. So anger is attributed or causes up to 51 known illnesses, according to Dr. S.I. McMillan. In fact, uh, proctologists now know that anger can literally create a pain in the rear, okay? So, I know, groan. Yeah, it, it doesn't get any better, okay? Don't get angry, all right? So let me, let me say this, that anger is not always an inappropriate response. You know, sometimes when we think about anger, we think like, I'm not allowed to get angry, but sometimes anger is the appropriate response, especially when, when it's dealing with something that we love, okay? So let me just say this. So, so there's a difference between uncontrolled anger and a difference between controlled anger. There's a difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. Anger can actually be evidence of love. For instance, if you are, if you are doing something against my, my children or my grandchildren or my wife, guess what my response is gonna be against you? It's gonna be anger. And part of the reason why it's that way is because of the love that I have for those individuals that you're harming. So sometimes anger is an appropriate response to things that are happening around us, especially to those things and people that we love. 
It's okay to be angry about certain things that happen in the world. We should be angry that there is hunger in the world. We should be angry that there's homelessness in the world. We should be angry that there are injustices in the world. We should be angry that there's rape in the world. We should be angry that there's violence in the world. We should be angry that there's racism. We should really be angry that all of those things are happening around us. And those are the kinds of things that anger is appropriate to be as long as it's controlled anger, as long as it's righteous anger in the things that we're dealing with. Why is that? Well, the scriptures tell us from Genesis to, to Revelation, that there are 375 references where it says God became angry. So we become angry because of whom is the one who has created us. We are created in the image of God. And because God gets angry and because God references that, because we are created in God's image, we too can get angry. So earlier I said a righteous anger and an unrighteous anger. There's a right way, and there's a wrong way to be angry. Think about that. Think about the times that, that you were angry at something and, and analyze the way in which you handled it. Looking back, would you change how you dealt with it? Were there certain things that you would have done differently or said differently? Would you have not done something or would you have done something more? So Paul says that there's an appropriate way in which we're to handle anger. And he writes to the church in Ephesus chapter four. He says, don't sin by letting anger control you. That's really important, that statement. Don't sin by letting anger control you. He goes on also to say, you know, don't let the sun go down while there's still anger in your house. You know, many of us, we give that advice to our children when they get married. You know, if you're fighting, don't let the sun go down at night and make sure that you're talking it through. But Paul says this, he says, don't let sin or don't sin by letting anger control you. I love that verse, and here's what it means. It means that anger happens, and that there are types of anger that we're actually allowed to lean into, but Paul says there's a difference. When anger becomes overwhelming and encompassing over you, and it leads you to sin, he says that's when anger is the wrong kind of anger. So Paul is saying, don't be self-centered in your anger. Don't be, don't be selfish. Don't be uncontrolled. But the Bible says sometimes anger is appropriate. Now, I'm going to be teaching a lot out of the Proverbs today. Proverbs is one of our books of wisdom in the Scriptures. It's actually in the Old Testament. And Proverbs is like Psalms. It's like, um, you know, uh, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, a lot of the wisdom books. And so I'm going to use a lot of the Proverbs as we talk about anger so let me begin with Proverbs 12, 16. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when they're insulted. Now, I know this is hard. This is hard stuff. But think about it for a second. You know, a fool, is in, when they're insulted, is quick-tempered. So what this is trying to teach us is the wisdom says that we've got to come to a place in our own life where when people are angry with us or whenever we're in the middle of someone being angry against us, we've got to find a way to let it just wash off of our back. It can hurt, but we have to find a way to let it wash off. Proverbs 16, 32, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. I love this one. This one says that, that it's better to be even-tempered, it's better to be under self-control than to be powerful. It's better to be a person of self-control and not angered easily than to be a person who's the leader of an entire village. It calls this into be. 
So, so anger is, is something that we have learned, okay? We're not born to be angry people. We learn how to be angry people. How do we learn? We, we learn in our homes. When our parents raise us, we learn the dynamics between our moms and our dads or whoever raised us. We, we learn about the dynamics with that. We learn about the dynamics of anger and dealing with our siblings if we had those. We learn about anger watching TV. Some of our TV shows are, are violent and, and filled with anger, and we learn what it means to be angry through that. We read tweets or, or we send Facebook posts or emails. We read emails. Everything that we partake in is shaping who we are as a person and actually is shaping how we will handle anger. So knowing that, I wanna give us a couple of clues on, on some different types of anger that we become. So I'm not gonna say that everybody's one of these, but it's likely that you have been one of these at some point in time um, in your life. And I'm gonna use some biblical examples, but I, but I wanna come back and I wanna use some um, terms that are modern day terms so that we can kind of you know, put it into perspective and understand it. So the first kind of person, uh, the first type of anger, the way that people express anger is what I call the assault rifles. Okay, now the assault rifles, these are the guys that, that when you're angry, you just wanna mow somebody down. It's like, take no prisoner, I'm just gonna stew and spew, I'm gonna, you know, just, just gonna kinda like put it out there, and I'm gonna just, it doesn't matter who gets destroyed, I'm just gonna show that kind of anger. And they're the kind of persons that just come, they cuss, they yell, uh, they throw things, they're condescending with their comments, they're very destructive with the things that they say. You know, an assault rifle person is, is just that kind of person. Now, biblically, if we were to look in the Bible, Cain, who is one of the two sons of Adam and Eve, he would be known as an assault rifle. Why is that? Because Cain ends up allowing his anger to make him commit murder. So let's look in Genesis chapter four and see this story. It says, the Lord accepted Abel, that's Cain's brother. God accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. So, so right now, it's setting up that God is showing favor to Cain's brother Abel because Abel's gift was better in the eyes of God than Cain's was. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. And one day, Cain suggested to his brother, hey, let's just go out in the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. This is the first action on the outcome of anger. This is the assault rifle. This is, this is that explosive anger. These are the kind of people who, who kind of have a hair trigger, um, you know, like a grenade. You, you pull a pin, you hold it. When you let go of or release the, the mechanism and you throw it, sooner or later it's gonna blow up. These are the kind of people you pull the pin and it just blows up right there. That's the assault rifle, that's that kind of person. There's another kind of anger and it's the mute. So this is opposite of the assault rifle. So the mute, this is the person that doesn't blow up. Mutes don't blow up, they clam up, okay? These are people who, who don't get violent, but they get silent. They just hold on to stuff. They stuff it way down. And heaven forbid the day when, when, when a mute just lets all that anger out, it's gonna be like a volcano. Do you know somebody like that? They just stuff it down and stuff it down and stuff it down. You, you can say whatever or whatever can happen and it's just stuffing, 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 but it's a ticking time bomb. They don't, they don't explode immediately with their anger. They're the crockpot version. Who still uses a crockpot? Anybody? Okay, a couple people, yeah. So you know what a crock pot, you put something in it and you let it just simmer 
for a long period of time, and at the end is the result, right? So that's what a mute does. A mute stuffs it down. They swallow their anger. And, and, and the old saying says, the more you swallow your anger, your stomach is going to keep score. So these are people that are like really wearing down and tearing up on the inside. And a good example of a mute in the scriptures would be the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. He's writing during the time of the, of the uh, exile, and, and he's writing about how disappointed and how frustrated he is, but he's not willing to like speak out about it. He's not willing to do a whole lot about it. He's just kind of holding it in. And he writes, he says, I don't sit in the company of revelers, nor do I rejoice. So he's kind of that lukewarm person in the middle. He said, I just sit alone. And then he asks, why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable? Why does it refuse to be healed? You know, mutes are the kind of people that, that, that folks would say, um, that burns me up. I mean, literally, it burns me up. But they're not willing to do anything. They just kind of stew it down. And they just kind of, kind of throw that in there. In fact, in fact, a mute, you might recognize a mute this way. If you've ever had a disagreement with a loved one, and, and you look at them and you say, uh, you're mad at me. And their response is, I'm not mad at you. No, I can tell you're mad at me. I'm not mad at you. No, seriously. The way you're acting and the things that you're doing, you're obviously mad at me. I am not mad at you. That's a mute. They, they don't want to address it. They just want to throw it down. So we have assault rifles and we have mutes. Here's the third one. The third one is what I'm going to call the martyr. Now, most people fall into this category, the martyr. Not all of us are, are assault rifles, not all of us are mutes, but a lot of us are martyrs. And, and this is the kind of person, uh, when you get angry, you throw yourself a pity party. Pity party for one, here I am. So that, that's, what a, that's what a martyr is. So, so a martyr is somebody that, that um, is angry at someone else, or the other person is pushing the buttons of the martyr. And instead of the martyr looking at what's really happening and saying, why are you doing this to me? The martyr looks at themselves. And the martyr goes like, well, what's wrong with me? What, what did I do wrong? Why, why, don't they, why don't they like me? Or why is this situation? What, what, what did I do wrong? And how come I can't deal with this? That's what the martyr does. The number one sign of being a martyr with anger can be depression. Now, listen, depression can be caused by a lot of different things. I get that. But, but if you're a martyr, you're freezing out your anger. So, so um, the difference between a martyr and a mute is a mute stuffs it down, but ultimately it comes up. With a martyr, it doesn't come out. It just kind of stays down there. And then all of a sudden it leads to depression because depression oftentimes is unresolved anger or it's un, un, undealt with anger. And, and so, so a lot of people are martyrs. Listen, in 2003, I, I've shared this with you. Um, I was in a time of my life where I was in depression. We had launched a church. It was, um, it was a difficult thing to do. The most rewarding thing I think I've ever done in my life of ministry is birth a church with, with God's hand and that happening. But it was exhausting and time-consuming. And I remember, you know, our fourth year into that, 2003, that, that there were some things that were starting to happen that, that, that I wasn't a big fan of or I was frustrated with, and I just iced it out. And that anger just built up inside and inside and inside, and it led to depression. And my relationships with my children and some church people and even my own wife weren't, weren't at the healthiest part they could have been at that time because I was a martyr. And so martyr leads to depression, and we, we have to understand that, that, that we can't let our anger freeze us out. Now, a great example of a martyr in the scriptures is the older brother 
in the prodigal son story. If you go to Luke chapter 15, uh, the third story, you're going to see the prodigal son. And for those of you that don't know the story, here's what it is very briefly. A father has two sons. The younger son comes to his dad and says, I want my inheritance now. And really, one didn't get the inheritance until the father was dead. So the son was really saying to his father, I wish you were dead, now give me my money. And the father loved his son, and he gave the youngest son his portion of the inheritance. So the scripture tells us that, that the son goes out and he spends everything. That's the word prodigal. That's what prodigal means. It means to spend over spend. That's what prodigal is. So he goes out and he spends his entire inheritance on wine, women, and songs, so to speak. And he's playing it up and he's living it up, and the day comes, he has no more money. He is like not even dirt poor. He said the pigs were eating better than he was. And he comes to the conclusion that he needs to go back home and face his father. And he's going to beg his father, not only for forgiveness, doesn't want to become his son anymore because he feels his dad doesn't want that, but that he would be a servant, a slave, to work in his father's home. So this young son is coming down the road. The father sees that, and he yells to the older son. He's like, go get the ring. Go get the fatted calf. We're going to have a big party. Get the finest clothes because I want to adorn my son who is lost and who has now come home. Here's the martyr. The oldest son looks at his dad and he says, wait a minute. Why are you doing this? You know, I've served you my entire life. I've never squandered anything. I've never like shamed the family. I've never been, um, you know, somebody who's gone out in public and done stuff that, that the family wonders, you know, who we really are. And I've never done anything to offend you but you've never, you've never thrown a party for me. In fact, you've never done anything for me and I've been so loyal to you and I've, I've been here all the time. This is the martyr, he's freezing the anger and his father says, come join this party. It's inside the house, come join it and be a part of what's going on in the life of your brother. And the older brother says, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna join that at all. And he stays outside and he becomes the martyr. Listen, every family has a martyr. You recognize them because when the family's having fun and the martyr comes, everything goes south. So martyrs are out there and they're stuffing that anger down and they're freezing it out. They're martyrs. So we have the assault rifles, we have the mutes, we have the martyrs. Here's the last one, it's the manipulator. The mantra, the mantra of the manipulator is, I don't get mad, I get even. Okay, so the manipulator is the person who will never tell you that they're upset at you. It's kind of like the passive aggressive thing. You have to figure this out. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you that I'm upset at you, but, but I'm going to ice you out and I'm going to not, you know, I'm going to like, you know, do all these things behind the scenes. I'm going to talk about you. I'm, I'm not going to talk to you like I used to. I'm going to kind of ghost you on some things, but I'm never going to tell you that I'm mad at you. I'm not going to confront you with that. And manipulators are the ones that when, when we do catch them, because they always work behind the scenes, and they're always trying to undermine everything that there is about us. They want to see us fail. That's what a manipulator does. And when you call them out on it, when you call them on it, and you say, what are you doing, and why are you doing this, you know what the response of the manipulator is. Nine times out of a ten, the manipulator will look at you when you call them out, and they'll say, can't you take a joke? Can't you take a joke? You know, the way I was condescending and, and cutting you down all that, it was just a joke. Can't you take a joke? And that's what a manipulator does. A manipulator harms those relationships. In the South, we get away with that. 
Because in the South, we just put it this way, well, bless his heart, right? So that's what a manipulator does. And an example of the manipulator in the scripture, who do you think an example of the manipulator would be? The Pharisees. They were the ones that were constantly after Jesus. They wouldn't publicly tell him, but privately they were doing everything in their power to undermine ultimately and to, to kill him. So let's look now, now that we kind of understand what the four types of anger are, let's look at when somebody's angry at you, let's look at, at how you're gonna handle this. Just a couple of things I think will be very helpful for that. So when, when someone's angry at you and you're determining what do I do with this, how do I respond to this? The first thing I think we need to do is before we do anything, we need to calculate the response. We need to calculate um, the cost of anger. What's this going to cost me? The minute I go back and rip somebody because they rip me, what's that gonna cost me? The minute I become heavy-handed in a situation and fight eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, whatever that case may be, I need to ask myself, what is the best thing that can come out of this and what is the worst thing? And listen, I've, I've been through enough situations in life like you have, and let me tell you what I've learned. When you ask yourself what's the best thing that can happen and the worst thing when it comes to dealing with anger and your response to that, you might think the best thing is to fire back, but the worst thing is usually what happens. It destroys relationships. You know, when you're mad at somebody, the odds are that, that um, uh, you're, you're kind of at that point where something else is happening. So we have to be very careful with what we do. Proverbs 29, 22 says, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. So the scriptures are saying that, that if we fight back anger with anger, we are likely going to commit sin. Now that is becoming self-centered anger, self-righteous anger, and that is becoming um, the anger that, that Paul was talking against. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. So, so the scripture says that if you're in the midst of a conflict situation, if you take a step back, if you are a person who brings peace, if you are a person who brings patience into that heated discussion, guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna calm it down. So when I'm angry, I'm stirring up not only the possibility of sinning, but I'm stirring up the possibilities of quarrels. Proverbs 14, 29, people with understanding control their anger, but a hot temper shows great foolishness. Listen, I'm a fool enough without having to do it by being angry, especially at other people. Patty will tell you that, that um, you know, through our life and through our marriage, I remember early on in our marriage, we would fight like cats and dogs about stuff because both of us wanted to win the fight. We wanted to win the argument. I mean, it was, it was like we were willing to do that. Through the years and, and being together and nurturing and loving and, and kind of figuring out how to do life together as husband and wife and friend and, and, and uh, spiritual sojourner and everything that we've done, we've come to that place where, yeah, we still have heated arguments. We still get angry at each other. But we also understand that before we go to a point where it just destroys us, that we're willing to talk about it, we're willing to surrender the swords, and we're willing to admit the fault. Now granted, it's usually my fault, but, um, but, but we're willing to do that. And by God's grace, 
we can't. So that's what, that, that's what Proverbs 14, 29 means. So, so when we get angry, we're gonna get in trouble, we're gonna sin, we're gonna get into arguments, we're gonna make mistakes, and we're gonna do foolish things. So friends, why, why do we wanna get angry? If all those things are gonna happen, let me, let me write, have you write down this saying or, or to put it in your mind. I always lose when I lose my temper. Say that, I always lose when I lose my temper. All right, like two of you said that, everybody. At home, I always lose when I lose my temper. All right, the people at home are saying it louder than you all. I always lose when I lose my temper. Okay, so, so there's so much wisdom in that statement. You will never win when you lose your temper. Why? Because you'll sin, you'll get into arguments, you'll get, uh, you'll get into trouble, you'll make mistakes, and you'll do foolish things. Here's the second thing. When someone is angry with you, when you're in an angered situation, not just count the cost, but here's the second thing you do. Look past the words that the person is saying and look at their pain. Look at their pain. Yeah, I said pain. Look at that. Look past the words and look at their pain. Don't respond to what they're saying, but you have to look at why they're saying what they're saying. Do you hear that? Don't, don't, don't hear what they're saying. Ask yourself, why are they saying what they're saying? Because my experience is, in anger, when we lash out like that, there's something that's going on in our life. Proverbs 19, 11, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. So when someone is angry coming after you, our role on the receiving end is to overlook or look through their faults. We hear it, we acknowledge it, we know it's there, but we want to work through that. We're wise when we don't use the words against them. We are wise when we say, why are they angry with me? What's really going on with you causing you to be angry with me? What, what is that? See, I have a saying in life, and I think it's really true, hurt people hurt people. Well, think about that. Hurt people hurt people. Say it with me. Hurt people hurt people. When people are angry, it's usually because they're hurt by something. They're feeling wounded. And the only way that they can express what's going on, usually, is through being angry. So hurt people hurt people. When somebody's hurting you, it's because they've been hurt and they're still hurting. Unkind people are people who haven't felt kindness. Unloving people are usually people who, who aren't feeling loved. So when they're angry, what they're really expressing to you is, I'm in pain. I'm in trouble. I'm hurting. I'm feeling alone. I need somebody to love on me. And we have, we have a couple of, of places we can really deal with that. You see, uh, a person who feels deeply loved isn't rude. A person who feels deeply loved isn't attacking someone else. Uh, and they're deeply rooted in generosity. They're deeply rooted in peace and forgiveness. When somebody is mean, when somebody's cranky, when they're telegraphing that, what they're really saying is, I'm in pain about something emotionally, spiritually, relationally, or even physically. And that's why I'm angry and cranky, I'm in pain. We have to look past, we have to look past their words, and we have to look at why. So Edwin, Edwin Markham wrote this poem. I, I love this poem. He says, they drew a circle that shut me out. 
a heretic, a rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took them in. So this is, this is what's really important. We have to remember that when, when someone is angry at us, we have a choice. We can fight evil against evil. We can be angry back and see where that leads. And, and if I'm gonna do that, I need to count the cost. Am I willing to lose my marriage? Am I willing to lose my friendship? Am I willing to lose my job? Am I willing to lose whatever? If I'm gonna be fighting, so, so Jesus teaches us that in those instances, we should strive not to return evil for evil, but we should return evil with good. We should offer grace, understanding, and peace to help that person through. You know, anger is just a warning light. It's a warning sign of something else, something bigger that's going on. You see, when we're at our wit's end, when we're at a place where, where we feel like uh, we've been harmed beyond repair, when we feel like life just hasn't given us what we've asked for, that life is too tough, when our relationships haven't worked, when things are going wrong all around us, when we're feeling disappointment, when we're feeling pain, and we're feeling anger. Listen, as Christians, we have hope because we know that the hope comes in the name. It comes in the name of Jesus Christ, that Jesus heals our wounds, that Jesus responds to our anger, that Jesus blesses us. The Bible teaches us from cover to cover that Jesus is grace and love, and that he's here to diffuse our anger. So whether you've been misused, whether you've been abused, whether somebody has been angry at you, whether you have been angry at someone else, whether you have been left out and feel left out, whether you have felt just the greatest level of disappointments, turn that over to Christ. And that's the important part. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote in his letter, he said this, he said, is any one of you hurting? Is any one of you sick? Anger can be a sickness. Anger can cause us to hurt. He says, call upon the elders of the church and let them pray over you and anoint you with oil. And here's what he says, that the prayers of a righteous person, just one, can heal you. Now, we're not the righteous ones, but Jesus is, amen? He is the one that can heal all of us.